Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. You know what? Somebody made the comment. They're like, I love the podcast because it feels like I'm just hanging out with a friend. Well, that's the whole point. So that's what I like about it too. Let me see what's on the docket today. Today, I set a hard limit of 45 minutes. So I'm going to talk for 45 minutes. And if I can't get to all this, then it's too bad. It's going to have to get saved or something. So we've got some Apple stuff to talk about. I got a lot of just interesting minutiae to talk about, you know, I know you guys are interested in that. You're like, hey, I just like hearing about your week or behind the scenes stuff. There's plenty of that. I've got some interesting business insights. They're not really mine. They're from somebody that I respect. And I just kind of wanted to go over those because they've been impactful to my thinking recently. Let me just start by saying I've realized recently that I should never, ever, ever go anywhere without my AirPods. Why? Because we ended up staying at somebody's place for the 4th of July, because we went over to hang out, but it was just too far to drive back because it was so late after fireworks and stuff. So guess what? I packed really lightly, and there was lots of things that I forgot. One of the things was my AirPods, and I really, really regretted that. I thought, you know, we're going to be hanging out with people, and really I shouldn't be secluded and just listening to my own thing, but it turned out that there was some downtime, and I didn't want to be blasting what I was listening to to everybody else, which really, I just wanted to listen to some podcasts. And actually, it's uh, a very interesting podcast that I want to talk about later. It was a tweet storm that was turned into a podcast, and it just has to do with, uh, well, we're going to get to it. So I'm reading this tweet storm. I'm like, okay, there's a podcast version. I want to hear this person talk more about this. Mm, But I couldn't because it just wouldn't have been appropriate in the setting to be listening to. So I had to wait. And and actually, the time that I got to listen to it was when I went to the store the next day to get my coffee, and then I listened to it in the car with CarPlay. That was my AirPods, was my car. But they're just essential. They're kind of bulky. I mean, as small as they are, you know, I that's why I don't bring them with me everywhere because it still takes up room in the pockets, you know, and I don't want to have to carry around a sling or some bag with me everywhere if I don't have to. But what I realized was that I was really at a disadvantage when I didn't have my AirPods. I always thought of them as like an entertainment thing or a work thing, use them at the desk or, you know, around the office or something. If I have to go to the coffee shop to do some work, bring the AirPods, they were always attached to either work or entertainment. And I've never treated them as something that's just like keys or wallet or phone that have to go with me everywhere. I know some people do, but I didn't want that extra bulk, but I'm realizing, no, there's opportunities to fit things in with those AirPods that I'm just going to need them. As things really open back up, you know, with the pandemic and lockdown and stuff, they just need to go with me everywhere. You guys have similar experiences. So I just published a video today. It's called Useful New Apple Notes Tips for iPadOS 15, Quick Notes and More. And that's exactly what it is. It's just going through the new Apple Notes features and including Quick Notes, you know, very predominantly featuring Quick Note and everything that I've learned about it and how I'm using it and and what I'm going to use it for, hopefully to give you guys ideas about stuff. I'm hearing the early feedback is that people are finding a lot of value in it. I asked for people to tell me, you know, give me a timestamp. What was your favorite part? And some people are just like, no, the whole thing. It was, it was really good, all of it. And so I'm glad that people feel that way. The reason that I'm glad is because I was so tired when I filmed this video. You have no idea how tired. I just didn't sleep good the night before. And when I'm tired, I'm next to useless. It doesn't matter how much coffee that you pump into me, I'm still going to be useless. So it was just a fight to go and get all the camera set up, the lighting, uh, and, you know, actually get a script 
put together that was coherent. And, and then when you're in front of the camera, of course, it's different than when you're just hanging out, right? You have to be a presenter. You go into presenter mode. And this is the same thing that we always talk about, right? You know, are you the same person in front of the camera as you are when you're not? And probably the people around me would say, well, not quite. It's more like an amplified version of the normal Chris. But I don't know that the amplified part really came out in this latest video, even though I certainly was doing my best to amp it up as much as I could. So if you go back and rewatch it, if you watch it one time or, you know, watch one of my other videos, watch like uh, my iPad tips videos, the, the best iPad tips of the year, you know, that I did recently. That's probably super high energy, really excited. And this one is some more chilled and, and relaxed. And actually, I saw a comment that was like, you know, I like the chill vibe of this video. And so I guess it worked out. Uh, it's performing eight out of 10 so far. I know you guys uh, have dropped me some comments saying, we kind of like the inside baseball. Tell us a little bit about the behind the scenes and the, the analytics and how it's going. That actually, I think, means next to nothing. I'm not worried that it's not performing in the top three of my last 10 videos, for instance. I did an Apple Notes video a while back, and I don't know. It was, it was I think I had nothing else going on. I was like, what can I make a video about that I enjoy that I think would be valuable? And it was Apple Notes because I use it all the time. So I just did it. It was generic, just things that I discovered. It's not like some new version of Apple Notes had just come out like is what's happening right now with iPadOS 15. And I published it and it wasn't immediately successful either. But over time, it was an evergreen topic that resonated with a lot of people. And, and just, you know, the algorithm ended up promoting it to the right people at the right time. And I think it did well over 100,000 views. I don't know what it, maybe two or 300,000. I don't know, but it did well. And I expect something similar to happen here because people use Apple Notes. It's one of those core uh, software, you know, features in Apple Suite that, for the iPad, you know, you're especially with Quick Notes now, it's just system wide. Basically, the whole iPad experience now is Apple Notes. You know, you can't go anywhere where you're not in Apple Notes now with Quick Note. So it's a it's a good video. It was killer to make, killer to produce. I couldn't even finish the edit the day that I shot it. You know, it was like mind over matter. Not in this case. I just could not do it. So I got like. 50 or 60% done, called it a night, woke up real early. Like you guys know I do. Sometimes I'm up at four or five in the morning to finish stuff from the day before and barring hiring somebody new to come on, which is something ooh, I'm getting more serious about. We've got some books, we've got a lawyer, we're talking to people about it. And so, but, but even so, I'm not sure that I want to do that, but I'm, I'm really checking it out. We're going to talk about leverage and labor very quickly in this podcast, because it's what I'm really excited to talk about this week, this tweet storm. But barring having somebody else do the editing for me, then yeah, it, that's what works for me. Wake up real early. And that is my, it's like my second employee, second Chris, early morning Chris, right? There's day Chris who gets, you know, a certain portion of the work done. And then there's early morning Chris the next day who comes in and bats clean up and finishes it all up. In fact, in this video, the latest video about the Apple Notes, I actually made a reference to a tweet storm that I was looking at. There was some content that I saved in the video, if you pay attention, from somebody named Naval, N-A-V-A-L. And this is the person who wrote an epic tweet storm. And we might as well just get into it right now. Back in 2018, I was thinking about this the other day as I was starting to think about doing some hiring and some other business stuff. And I was like, I know there was this amazing tweet that I encountered a while back and it had all this good advice. It was talking about owning a business to create wealth um, versus just working for somebody and renting out your time. And I, I was racking my brain. What was that? What is it? And lo and behold, sometime a week after that, I ran into that tweet storm again. I was like, oh, this is it. And I got all excited about it. I was showing my wife all about it. And it was a tweet thread that 
it's legendary within the startup community, within the entrepreneurship realm. It's from Naval. It's just at Naval on Twitter. And Naval is really known for being uh, an angel investor, uh, among other things. And I just want you to know, before we get into this, I really resonate with what Naval says in this particular tweet thread. I like what he has to say about business. We differ when it comes to other areas, but this particular tweet thread, it resonated with me in a way that very few things in life have done. Just little nuggets of wisdom for business people that just, they're mind blowing, these little sentences. And I wanna go through at least some of them with you guys right now. The thread is called How to Get Rich Without Getting Lucky. Now, hold on real quick. Uh, It's not about a get rich quick scheme or anything like that but it's talking about ethical wealth creation. And if you've ever thought to yourself like, man, I would like to have a lot of money or, or how do I do it? How do I, you know, build a business and become, you know, monetarily successful? This is the thread that takes you from point A, starting at zero, scratch, to point whatever it is that you want to be at. Now, I will say before we get into it, I also don't think just having a, a bunch of money for the sake of having a bunch of money is what you should be after either. And this tweet uh, thread ends on a similar note. But let's just let's just go through a few of these. So the first tweet is this. Seek wealth, not money or status. Wealth is having assets to earn while you sleep. Money is how we transfer time and wealth. Status is your place in the social hierarchy. So he's saying seek wealth, which is having assets that earn while you sleep, not money, because money is how you transfer time and wealth. And time is really our most valuable asset. It's the thing we run out of that we can't get back, ultimately. Next tweet, he says, understand that ethical wealth creation is possible. If you secretly despise wealth, it will elude you. So in his mind, you know, he's right now trying to weed out the people who are like, no, having money is bad, capitalism bad, Uh, But he's saying, no, 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 hold on. Ethical wealth creation is possible. But if you don't, if you just, if you just throw out the idea of getting wealthy or having a a lot of extra money so that you can be, you know, more free, then you're never even going to set out to try. Next, ignore people playing status games. They will gain status by attacking people playing wealth creation games. You're not going to get rich by renting out your time. You must own equity, a piece of the business to gain your financial freedom. This is one of the tweets this is the, actually the tweet that I remembered, you know, like a two, two weeks ago or whenever when I, this popped into my head because I was thinking about the people that I know and myself and just how I have built up a business and I can see where that's going and it's going in a direction of, you know, creating more freedom for myself. And I just have been thinking so much about this one phrase here. You're not going to get rich renting out your time. What does that mean, renting out your time? It means that you are hired by somebody else, basically, right? You're saying, I will come work for you for X amount of dollars, and that person is directing you in your life, basically, and if you stop working, your hours are directly related to what you're making. Next tweet, pick an industry where you can play long-term games with long-term people. The internet has massively broadened the possible space of careers. Most people haven't figured this out yet. Play iterated games. All of the returns in life, whether in wealth, relationships, knowledge, come from compound interest. Compound interest. We know about this from money, but you get a lot of uh, value from other things. And there can be negative value in compound interest, too, by just doing them for a long period of time. But it's, it's doing the right things for a long period of time that actually really matter. So if you save money in a bank, even if you put a little bit into the bank over time with interest, with compound interest, it can add up to a lot, even though 
It's just a little bit being added at a time. Well, it's the same thing for relationships. You got to put in that time to get to know somebody. And as you do that, you know, over 20 or 40 years, for instance, with a spouse, that really pays off richly in a way that it wouldn't pay off richly if you were just hanging out with somebody, you know, here and there. Negative compound interest, this is not something that Naval covers, but this is something that I've realized too, is if you're doing the wrong thing for a long period of time, you get this negative compounding interest effect. And that's not what you want either. So, you know, this being a YouTube channel that I run, I can just say, I always talk about on the podcast, one of the things that makes it really successful or has led me to where I am or any big YouTuber is sticking with it for a long period of time. That's another way of just saying, hey, compound interest works. You put out uh, the videos when nobody's watching and you're getting 10 views and then you're getting 100 views and then you're getting 1,000 views and you work your way up to where you're getting 100,000 views or a million views, right? But you have to compound your experience and your time and the money that you put into the channel over, you know, a decade to, to make it happen. You can't jump from starting from scratch to getting 100,000 views per video without all the compound learning in between. It just doesn't happen. You have to have that experience. And on the flip side, if you spend, if you dump that same decade into the wrong thing, then you're getting a lot of wasted, not, not just wasted, but compound waste in, in the opposite direction of where you want to go. Next tweet, don't partner with cynics and pessimists. Their beliefs are self-fulfilling. I think that is more or less true. Arm yourself with specific knowledge, accountability, and leverage. These are big deals here. These may just seem like words, but these are really big deals. If you're trying to do anything big or if you're trying to create some wealth, these are big deals. Specific knowledge is knowledge that you cannot be trained for. If society can train you, it can train somebody else and replace you. Specific knowledge is found by pursuing your genuine curiosity and passion rather than whatever is hot right now. Building specific knowledge will feel like play to you, but it will look like work to others. And that last little thought there, I see this parroted around YouTube all the time. It's not work if you're having fun, but specific knowledge uh, Naval, in Naval's thinking, if I can try to paraphrase this a little bit, is knowledge that basically is unique to you. Maybe a few other people, but it's really unique to you. And the way that you get it is by pursuing your passions rather than going to school to learn it. If it's something that can be taught and learned, other people are going to know it, right? And eventually maybe computers will do it. But I'll take the instance of me with YouTube here, right? Um, I'm often on the edge of what's publicly known. And so I'll be spending time because I'm so deep in the Apple ecosystem. Let's, let's even niche that down a little bit into iPad stuff. I'm spending time in places where a lot of people don't or can't. Sometimes it has to do with access, whether because I just have made the time to do it because it's part of my business and it's been a passion that I pursued. And, and look, I can also make money off of it, but I can put several hours a day into it where other people are putting work into, you know, because they're renting their time, they're working at a job somewhere else, they can't, you know, be doing what I'm doing, or whether because, you know, I happen to get early access to, to information that other people wouldn't necessarily have yet. So specific knowledge, in my instance, is my experience and the things that I've learned before other people could have those experiences or learn about those things that I can then share. And people have found that valuable enough, as I've done it for a long enough, and things have kind of compounded and, and the channel has grown that I've been able to build up uh, a channel that gets, you know, millions of views. Importantly, he says, specific knowledge is not something that can be outsourced or automated. This is something I've been thinking a lot about as I've been thinking about hiring because the thought occurred, well, 
I'd like to have somebody making content about X, Y, or Z. But then my wife pushed back and was like, but you're the expert there. How's anybody else going to make that content? And that's the thing. That's how I realized I really do have some very specific knowledge. And the thing is that it's coming from me and not from somebody else. And it's not something that I can just teach. Naval talks about embracing accountability, taking business risks under your own name. That's interesting, but I'm not going to dwell on it right here. He says, give me a lever long enough and a place to stand and I'll move the earth. This is a Archimedes quote, actually, but it's talking about leverage. But he says, fortunes require leverage. Business leverage comes from three things, capital, people, and products with no marginal cost of replication. So probably code or media is the easiest uh, approach to that these days. Capital means money. To raise money, apply your specific knowledge with accountability and show resulting good judgment. So this is somebody who's like really into startups, okay? And you want to go raise some money. Labor means people working for you. It's the oldest, most fraud over form of leverage. Labor leverage will impress your parents, but don't waste your life chasing it. Labor means hiring somebody, getting somebody else to do the work for you. I mean, this is, you know, you can understand this one probably easiest, right? If you hire five other people to do work for you, then if you put in, you know, two hours a day, there's still work being done for the eight hours a day, right? That's kind of the idea. It's not all tied to you anymore. The inputs, your inputs and the outputs, what gets done. Capital and labor are permissioned leverage. Everyone's chasing capital, but someone has to give it to you. Everyone's trying to lead, but someone has to follow you. So permissioned leverage here, that word permissioned is a big deal because basically it's saying you can't just get it without somebody else's buy-in. However, code and media are permissionless leverage. So they're the leverage behind the newly rich. You can create software and media that works for you while you sleep. Now, I want you guys to look at this through a whole new lens. I, I've known like code, creating, writing code, you write it once and you distribute it and you can sell it over and over and over again. Obviously, that's great. I've never been a coder. I've been more of an art type of person, design type of person. I tried to learn some coding for a while. It just, it wasn't for me, right? I do like math, but I just don't like coding. And I kind of, for many years, discounted the fact that, you know, media is is the same thing. If, if somebody is a creator, you call me a creator, I'm a video creator, that's really no different than just being an entrepreneur. It really isn't. But I think coders in, in the last decade have gotten all the glory, a lot of it. But really, a media person like myself, um, there is lots of leverage there too. And what does that mean? Well, instead of writing a piece of software that then gets sold over and over and over again, right? Do the work once, but then the robots take over and, and there's lots of selling happening. It's no different when I create a video and it takes me a day to produce this video and get it edited and put it out, but that's it. The video goes out and the algorithm handles the distribution for me and I start making money off of the ads that are shown, etc. even though I could be sleeping or I'm out at the store or I'm drinking a coffee at the coffee shop. The permissionless aspect comes into play because I didn't have to ask for anybody's permission to make this video and upload it and put it out there, mostly. I mean, YouTube is allowing me to put this video out, right? But there's no gatekeepers per se. It's not like capital where you have to ask for money and convince somebody or labor where you have to convince somebody to come work for you and do this work for you. No, I can just do it. And that's why it's permissionless. And I've, it's funny because when I'm reading through this, I've kind of always thought of my videos as employees of a sort because they're out there working for me even when I'm not necessarily working. So he goes on to say, if you can't code, write books and blogs or record videos and podcasts. This is great advice. 
But he says, leverage is a force multiplier for your judgment. And this is where judgment comes into play. And you can't get judgment without experience. But if you make the right decisions, you make smart decisions, it's not, this is when people talk about working smarter and not harder. This is what it comes down to. Basically, judgment. Because if you have the experience, you can make the call to work on X instead of Y. And if that turns out to be really a good choice, then your leverage multiplies your wins or your losses. So he gives some recommendations. Study microeconomics, game theory, psychology, persuasion, ethics, mathematics, and computers. These are all areas that I would like to spend some extra time diving into. You know, I, you guys know I like to go deep in the philosophy department, but these are other areas that I think would be interesting to me as well. He says, reading is faster than listening. Doing is faster than watching. But you should be too busy to do coffee while still keeping an uncluttered calendar. Here's a fascinating tweet. Set and enforce an aspirational personal hourly rate. If fixing a problem will save less than your hourly rate, ignore it. If outsourcing a task will cost less than your hourly rate, outsource it. What does that mean? Give yourself an aspirational rate, okay? And this could be different for everybody, but something, you know, more out there for most people. Maybe it's $5,000 an hour, okay? And, you know, it's going to depend on your business, right? And it could change over time. You could just add up what you're making right now per year, divide it by 12, uh, divide that into, you know, by eight or whatever for your hourly rate, and then just add on some extra to make it aspirational. But let's just pretend it's $5,000 an hour is your aspirational rate. If you can solve some issue that you're having with your business, but what you end up solving saves less than your aspirational hourly rate, maybe it will save you $200 or you know $3,000, but your hourly rate is $5,000, then don't do it. Don't waste your time. But on the flip side, if you can outsource a task, so here comes some leverage in the labor department. If you can outsource a task for less than your hourly rate, then outsource it. Then it makes sense. He goes on to say, I'm skipping a few of these here, but I recommend going through the whole thing. There's no such thing as get rich quick schemes. That's just somebody else getting rich off of you. Yes, please listen to, to what he's saying there. Absolutely. <laughs> you can't escape doing actual work, okay? You just can't do it. Even if you're a thief, there's work to be done to steal from somebody. <laughs> Apply specific knowledge with leverage and eventually you'll get what you deserve. Now here's the, the ender, the cap here, okay? When you're finally wealthy, you realize that it wasn't what you were seeking in the first place, but that's for another day. I could spend so much more time going through and talking about some of this stuff, but if you haven't already, if you're building a business uh, whether you want to be, you know, entrepreneurial and go down the coding route, or if you want to be more like me and go down the media route, or you're just building something that you feel is more traditional and you're curious about what all these things really mean for you. And you do want to have a, uh, the ability to have enough money to have more free time and not have to just work all the time so that your inputs, the time you put in can be more disconnected from your outputs, um, what you get out of it. I just highly recommend spending some time thinking about this Twitter thread. Uh, I'll try to link it up if I can remember. If not, you can very easily search for it. But that's a very, 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 very quick overview of what I've been spending a lot of time thinking about recently. Oof, we have 11 minutes left. Let me talk about, uh, I've been toying around, this has to do with Twitter too, actually, with not following anybody on Twitter anymore and just switching totally over to lists for ingestion of tweets. Let me see how many people I'm following right now. I'm following 588 people right now. I've got 19.9 thousand followers. And here's the thing. Over the years, there have been a lot of people that I've followed for one reason or another that I was like, okay, well, 
that was something, you know, smart or interesting, or I want to keep up with this, but it's gotten really cluttered. So that's one thing. And there's a lot of people like, why did I follow them? So that's one part of it. But there's this other aspect to it, which is I don't really care to just follow just anybody, right? And Twitter steals a lot of time from people. It's just, just like a lot of things do. Social media in general, your phone in general, you can end up just scrolling, looking for something interesting, but not really finding it. But there's this hope that there's going to be something more interesting further down the timeline, and, and often there's not. So I've really been discovering Twitter lists, and I found out that you could pin them to the top of the Twitter app, and that has made all the difference in the world to me. I have some interesting lists. I've got one just with the thinking emoji to save some space there instead of typing something out. And it's just where I stick really interesting people. And it's a private list, and I have uh, some really interesting business people in there that those are the kind of things that I come to Twitter for, the things these people are saying, rather than just what's the latest video that somebody published or whatever that really doesn't matter, you know, promotional stuff, stuff that feels like actual business wisdom. So I've got that list. I have a list for God stuff. Uh, from people that I respect in that department. I've got an Apple list. I've got a crypto list. So I've really been making use of those lists. And less and less am I spending time in the home feed anyways. And more and more am I just uh, curating and getting value out of the lists. So I'm thinking about just ditching all the people that I followed in the first place. Maybe make a few more lists to save a few of the the valuable people that I, I get actual value from. And then at the end of the day, and this is not the reason that I would do it, but at the end of the day, you end up with, when someone checks your profile, you're not following anybody, and it's kind of a boss move, right? Big boss moves, no small plans. If you're not following anybody, there's a statement there that's being made too, but really, it, it wouldn't mean that I wasn't following anybody. What it means is I've just switched over to lists. So if you see it happen, that's why, but I'm thinking about it. This week, I ordered some new shorts. That was big news for me. Uh, yeah, I had a few, but I was running out, and it's like, I need some more that I like, that I want to wear. So uh, I looked all over the place, and I ended up going back to an old favorite to make this order, Huckberry. I really like Viori, uh, V-U-O-R-I, I think is the brand. I, I really like their products, like high quality. <laughs> Sometimes the shorts are a little shorter even than, uh, than I would wear. But really just good stuff. I went to a store that was local that did have some, but they were so picked over. It was like, no, I'm going to have to look online. Huckberry, they've grown over the years. They used to actually be a channel sponsor. This is a long time ago, very shortly after uh, I had started the YouTube channel. This was still when I was operating out of the garage set that I built in the garage. And they would sponsor some videos. And it was fun at the time because YouTube was new to me. And I'd have like a budget of, I don't know how much, 500 bucks or something per video. And I could just go through and order some stuff. Or maybe it was like 1500 uh, for a month. I don't even remember. But there was like a budget and I could go through, pick some stuff out. They'd ship it and I'd show it off in videos. It really had very little to do with tech. And we eventually ended the partnership because of that. But I've kept in touch, not with the people, but with the site and with the brand over the years because I've just really liked it. The stuff that I can find there, not just clothes, just stuff for around the house, everyday carry kind of stuff. It's just a good site. Even some stuff for women. I, there, I've gotten several gifts from my wife from Huckberry over the years. So this is not sponsored, but just full disclosure, they used to be a sponsor. I got four shorts. I did get some Viori's. The Viori Rip Stops. I uh, got some from Wellen, the Easy Chinos. I got some Alex Mill shorts. They're the pull-on bottom fly shorts. And I got some Free Flies, Free Fly Breeze shorts. And so that rounds out Chris's shorts order. I guess you can go check those out on Huckberry or just look them up if you're curious. But, but that's what Chris is going to be rocking soon. 
something I've been doing this week is going without an iPhone case for the first time in a really long time. Somebody had sent me some really, really, really thin iPhone cases, which I used to use all the time for the last year or so. I've been just using Apple cases and I don't know. I just, one day I got sick of it and I think I had to take my phone out for something. I don't remember what, but then I looked at it and it was just a whole different device. It was so sleek and shiny and nice and the case never went back on. But all week I've been walking around in fear that it's going to slip out of my pocket because I, I basically never drop it. The one time that I cracked it was when I was sitting out on the front porch and I don't know, it was just a, a, the angle of the chair that I was sitting in and the type of shorts I was wearing or pants or whatever. And it just slid out of the pocket and hit the cement and that was boom, cracked and I had to take it in and get it replaced. It was expensive. So I've been living life on the edge, so to speak. It makes me appreciate my iPhone so much more when I don't have it in a case. The other thing I did was I switched back to a purely black wallpaper. My wife had stuck a really funny wallpaper on there. I think you can see a very small piece of it in one of the videos where I had fallen asleep on the deck and uh, I must have been tired that day. She took a picture of me and I was all sprawled out and... Then she set that as my wallpaper background and I kept it up there for several weeks because it was hilarious <laughs> because who falls asleep on the deck? You know, it's hard. I was just on the actual deck. I wasn't on a chair or laying down on something soft. It was just the deck. It must've just been a nice day or something nice and sunny. And I, I was drowsy. I don't know. So I hated to see it go, but um, you know, every now and then you just got to change it up. And so I'm back to just pure black and that's different. I, I got sick of all the designs. I got sick of all the satellite pictures and all the, built-in wallpapers and I didn't really want to create my own and and the people that are creating their own they're all kind of the same and I was just like no I'm gonna just gonna go with black just pure black nothingness it makes all the icons pop and actually I really like it and it's actually is a, a default option if you go into your static wallpapers that come with your iPhone yeah there's a black version I've been trying it I've been liking it okay I got a minute and a half left here uh before I have to shut her down so I'm just going to leave with this. I, I've been thinking about this a lot too. Have you ever heard the term applied science? What it means is there's science, the thing, and then there's applied science, which is how it gets, you know, the, the scientific findings and discoveries. That's uh, when, it's, when it's applied science, that's talking about when it makes its way into products and it gets used in real life situations, right? It makes a difference in the world, applied science. Uh, I've been kind of thinking of the channel and the direction that I've been taking as applied Apple. What do I mean by that? I mean, there's Apple, the thing, right? The company, the products, the features, the services. And then there's Apple applied. But to be applied, it has to be applied by somebody, by me in this case, Chris. Chris is the one applying Apple to my life. So it's my life through the lens of Apple. And when I've been thinking about it that way, it really makes a lot of sense for me. How, you know, it helps me frame how I'm going to make the content that I make because it's that personal touch. I don't want to just tell you the features or, or, you know, the aspects of something. I want to tell you how it applies to my life so that you can get ideas on how to apply it to your life. So Apple applied, is just kind of, you know, how I've been thinking about making content, but it applies to everything. When I go through a script and I think some of this showed up, this script, uh, in, in the most recent video, you know, I'll have whatever a feature is and, you know, so I'll briefly talk about it, but then I'll just say applied question mark. And then that's a cue for me in front of the camera to say, okay, well, how have I applied that to my life? It's the how, and specifically how I, Chris, personally apply it. And I think that's what really drives value 
to the video because anybody can just sit there and say, okay, well, it does this, this, and this, but that's not really adding any value. But where, where the value comes in for me delivering it to you guys is, well, here's how I've been using it. And when you see me use it, then you get ideas for how you can use it. Even if I'm not fully giving every possible way to use something, I think it just gets the ball going and there's a spark that goes off and it ignites the passion that people feel when they come on the channel. Oh, like, oh, okay, now I get it. Now, now I can apply it to my life. Apple applied, which really is Apple applied to Chris or Apple applied by Chris. That's the thing. All right, 48 minutes, 24 seconds. I went a little bit over, but hopefully you guys like this. It was a lot of chatting about a lot of disparate subjects, but I'll be back next week. I've been enjoying these, getting them out on Fridays for you and uh, plan on, on just kind of hitting it more. Make sure you follow me on Instagram. I'm going to post some clips from this that are not going to appear anywhere else on Instagram. So it's at Daily Tech, spelled Daily T-E-K-K on Instagram and check it out there. I'll catch you guys next time. See ya.